0: ministry offering. Uh, So that will be the last opportunity for the men's ministry offering. And then, um, just a reminder, family camp is coming up July 2nd through the 7th. Uh, The lodging is really full. The dorms, the RV sites, the tents is pretty full. But if you can come for a day, you know, that would be amazing. Um, Actually, pastor is going to be ordained on that Wednesday service. So I don't know if he's going to invite you, but I'm inviting you yes. to come and support him. Right? Hallelujah. We are inviting you, he says. <laughs> oh, we are being ordained. Gotcha. <laughs> All right. Hallelujah. Let God arise, let his enemies be scattered. Let God arise, let his enemies be scattered. Let God arise, and his enemies be scattered. Let God, let God arise, let God arise, and his enemies be scattered. Let God arise. His enemies be scattered. Let God arise. His enemies be scattered. Let God, let God arise. Let God arise. His enemies be scattered. Let God arise. His enemies be scattered. Let God arise. His enemies be scattered. Let God, let God arise. Let God arise. His enemies be scattered. Let God arise. His enemies be scattered. Let God arise, his enemies be scattered, let God, let God arise, hallelujah, thank you Jesus, thank you Jesus, hallelujah, oh I praise you Lord, hallelujah, thank you Jesus, thank you Jesus. Thank you for the power in your name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Who is this who for our sorrows offers comfort and relief, bringing sunshine to the dark and shadowed life, saying softly cease, repining, lift thy soul above its grief. Let the peace, past understanding, still the It is Jesus, Jesus, that once weep no more. He will heal the broken hearted, open wide the prison door. He is able to deliver evermore. Who is this who comes with healing for the hawk, the blind, the lame, saying softly to the sinner, follow me? Only come in faith, believing as of old the people came. And the lame shall walk, the blind again shall see. It is Jesus, Jesus, sad one weep no more. He will heal the brokenhearted, open wide the prison door. He is able to deliver evermore. Who is this who loves the sinner as the Father loves his own? Sending over to spurn his gentle plea. Always ready to forgive them and to make forgiveness known. Who is this forever calling you and me? Oh, it is Jesus, Jesus, sad one, weep no more. He will heal the brokenhearted, open wide the prison door. He is able to deliver evermore. Who is this who loves the sinner as the Father loves his own? Living over those who spurned his gentle plea. Always ready to forgive them and to make forgiveness known. Who is this forever calling you and me? Oh, it is Jesus, Jesus, sad one, weep no more. He will heal the broken hearted, open wide the prison door. He is able to deliver evermore. It is Jesus, Jesus. Sad one, weep no more. He will heal the broken hearted, open wide the prison door. Is able to deliver evermore. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You are our deliverer. Hallelujah. You are our Savior. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, we are so thankful for your forgiveness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm yours, Lord. Everything I've got. Everything I am. Everything I'm not. I'm yours, Lord. Try me now and see. See if I can be completely yours. I'm yours, Lord, everything I've got, everything I am, everything I'm not. I'm yours, Lord, try me now and see, see if I can be completely yours. I'm yours, Lord. Everything I've got, everything I am, everything I'm not, I'm yours, Lord. Try me now and see, see if I can be completely yours. I'm yours, Lord, everything I've got everything i am everything i'm not i'm yours lord try me now and see see if i can be completely yours i'm yours lord everything i've got everything i am Everything I'm not I'm yours Lord Try me now and see See if I can be Completely yours When we all Get to heaven What a day of rejoicing That will be When we all We will sing and shout the victory when we all get to heaven.
1: Oh, praise God. Thank you, Jesus, for the hope that you've given us. Thank you, Jesus, at the end of all of this, good, bad, or indifferent. We are going to live forever with you. Hallelujah, Jesus. This is our hope. This is our reward. You are our exceeding great reward. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. I am so thankful for that hope, church. I'm so thankful for the hope that after all of this is done, I'm spending eternity with my Savior. I'm spending eternity with Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, Jesus. And He will wipe away all tears. There will be no sadness, no sorrow, no sickness or disease. Hallelujah, Jesus. And we're going to see Him. We're going to see Him face to face. Not through a glass darkly. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. I am so, so looking forward to that day. Praise God. That day when I finally see the one that died for me. Praise God. That's what I'm living for. Amen. That's my hope. That's my goal. That's the end game. Praise God. And What an end game it is. What a hope we have. Right. Praise God. Amen. You can be seated for just a moment. <clears throat> Sister Rudy, you can come. Sister Rudy's going to be ministering this, this morning to us. She's supposed to minister next week, uh, but next week is Father's Day, and she felt like she didn't want to give a Father's Day message to the men. I said, well, why not? I gave a message to the women. <laughs> it didn't fly, so... <laughs> Amen. So, uh, but yeah, um, July 5th, that's the Wednesday, right? Uh, we are going to be ordained. Uh, we do want all of you to come, if you can. Amen. Uh, we would absolutely love it. it. would thrill us to death uh, if everybody was, was able to be there for that. Uh, obviously, we understand schedules and stuff like that. Uh, but if you can, if you can make it, uh, please do. We'd love to see you there. Amen. Let's all stand. As Sister Rudy comes, let's lift our hearts, our hands, our voices again to the Lord our God. Let's call out on His name. Let's thank Him for what He's already done. Let's worship Him for what He is about to do. Amen. Lord Jesus, You're an awesome God. We worship You.
2: We thank You, Jesus, for Your mercy and Your grace. Thank You, God, for Your great salvation. There's none like You in all the earth, O Lord. We thank You for the privilege that we have to worship You in spirit and in truth, O God. Oh, Lord, you are the shepherd and the bishop of our souls, and today I pray, oh, Lord, that your sheep will hear your voice, oh, God, that you will lead us to those green pastures, that you will lead us to those still waters, oh, God, that you will restore our souls this day, Jesus. We thank you, oh, God, for your yea and amen, oh, God, for your word. Let it wash over us today, oh, God. You know what we have need of, oh, God. You supply every need according to your riches and glory. We give you the glory, we give you the honor, we give you the praise. There's none like you, Jesus, and we're so grateful that we can know who you are. We can know your name. We can know the power behind that name, behind the blood. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for your name. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for your great salvation. I bless your holy name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, You may be seated, because I'll forget to tell you that. Um, My life scripture kind of has been, and it has been. It comes from Philippians 2.13. For it is God which worketh in me to both will and to do of his good pleasure. I'm going to tell you a little story. How many know who Caddy Woodlawn was? Anybody? Caddy Woodlawn? Well, she was from Menominee. She lived around Menominee, Wisconsin, about the same time that Laura Ingalls lived. It was in that era. She might have lived a little later. And um, they had more money than what the Ingalls did. But um, her mother was from Boston, so her mother was a true, proper lady in those days, in the 1800s. And they lived on a farm. And I believe they, her mother and father were both Irish. But she had an older sister who was named Annabelle. And Annabelle, she was that true lady. She was being brought up properly. But Caddy had an older brother and a younger brother, and she liked to be with her brothers. And she liked to go in the woods and play and swim in the water. And just it was just a heartache to her mom because she just really wasn't a proper lady. But they were very industrious people, and um, one year, her mother decided that she was going to raise turkeys and take them to the market, and that way, she would help supplement the income, and she did that, and so they were all excited because they wanted to see when her mom came home, what happened with all those turkeys, and was it a good, profitable business, and she came home, and her wagon was empty, and it was profitable. So, like any entrepreneur, if you sell 50 turkeys, let's raise 100 or 150 because next year, oh, man, we're going to make in the money. We're just going to rake the money in. So, that's what her mother did. And unbeknownst to her mom, the turkey market and the price for turkeys had gone way down. So, what did her mother do? She brought all those turkey home, and she said, we're going to slaughter these, and we're going to eat them. Now, I love turkey, but by the time we get done at Thanksgiving time, by the time that week's over with, I'm like, okay, I've had my turkey for a while. But they had turkey, and they had turkey, and they had turkey. And they went to one-room schoolhouse, and there were three little Native American boys that were, part Native American and part um, white, and so they got to go to that school, and every day for their lunch, they would bring cornbread and molasses. But the Woodlawn children, they were bringing turkey sandwiches. Oh, and they had a lot of meat on them. (laughs) So one day, Caddy got the bright idea, because there was three little boys, and there was her and her two brothers, let's switch, let's trade. So the little boys were kind of like, you know, is this a gimmick? Why, why are you giving us this meat sandwiches that we don't really have that much meat in our diet, and you're, you're wanting this cornbread, which was a cheap meal? They didn't quite get it, but they did the trade. So every single day when the woodlawns came with their turkey sandwiches, they switched with the Native American Indians, and they got to eat the meat sandwiches and the wood lines, they got to eat the cornbread. Now, on the outside, that might not look like a good trade, but they both won. They were both winners in that. So today, the title of my sermon is, or my, what my message is, Process and Release. Process is not pleasant. Process to me is like iron sharpening iron. It's like God working in me to both will and to do of his good pleasure. I don't like process. I don't like not knowing what's ahead. I like to have it planned out. My meals are planned out for the week. I know what I'm gonna wear to church on Sunday. I don't wanna have to it it to be a big meal. Uh, To be a big, you know, pig to do. I just want to know so that I can get there, and and it's done. Um, I married a man that likes to do things at the last minute. And I like to be on time. And sometimes some of my family doesn't. So you learn. You learn how to work through those things. It's a process. And today... I just want you to have ears to hear what the Lord's trying to say to you. Because he's been working so much out of me. Because we are going to have an end time revival that every boot needs to be on the ground. All hands on deck. But he has to be able to use, to use us. And we need to mature and grow. Because 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is profitable both for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. There's so much correction sometimes I need that I don't even know that I need. But he loves us so much that he's willing to sharpen us. He's willing to work in us, and I'm so grateful for that. So, we're going to go to 2 Kings 5, and we're going to read the first five verses. And uh, this is a very familiar scripture, but we're just going to talk about it a little bit. So, now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Assyria, was a great man with his master. He was honorable. I think I'll read. Because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. Now, leprosy, we don't know that much about leprosy in this country because we don't really see it. But leprosy is still a thing. And in uh, third world countries, in Hawaii, years ago, they used to have a lot of leprosy. Leprosy is an ugly, ugly disease because it affects the nervous system. And it deadens your nerves. And it begins with your appendages, your ears, your nose, your fingers, your toes. It deadens them. And what happens is you might get a blister or a bruise or a cut, but because you have no nerve endings there or it's dead, you don't feel it. And pretty soon you have an infection, and pretty soon it's eating away. It can eat away your nose. It can it can eat your no, your ears away. So there's just a, a hole there. It eats away at your fingers, and then it goes down all the way down your hand, and then you have just a stub. And the same for your feet. It's ugly. It's bloody, and it's oozing. And sometimes when God works in us, sometimes our lives get ugly. They get bloody. They get oozing, but there is something that God's trying to accomplish. And what we think is for evil, he's going to turn it for good. If we will trust him, if we will believe what he says, all my life the Lord has been working in my life, whether I knew it or not, for my good so that I can be the instrument that can be used of God. So Naaman has this leprosy, and of course they had to be separated from their family, so nobody else would get it. So now verse 2, And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captives out of the land of Israel, a little maid, and she, was, she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would to God my lord would, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him and his, of his leprosy. And one went in and told his lord, saying, Thus and thus saith the maid, that is, of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go to, go, and I will send the letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand pieces of gold, and ten changes of raiment. He was a very wealthy man. And this shows how much he desired for that leprosy to be gone, to be healed. So he goes to the king of Israel, he, tell, he gives the letter that he had, and the king of Israel, he's a little fearful, and he rents his garments, and he said, is this a setup? Does, doesn't this, I can't heal anybody. Why is the king of Syria sending me this mighty man, his mighty warrior, to heal him? I can't do it. Well, then some people heard that, and they said, oh, don't worry, king. Send him to Elisha. Elisha, the prophet. So he goes to Elisha the prophet. And now we're going to read verses 8 through 12. And it was so when Elisha the man of God had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Whereof hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. We are prophets in this land if we are willing to be used of the Lord. Every one of the five-fold ministries we can possess because we have the Spirit of God in us. And in the last days, God wants to use every single one of us. We all have a ministry, whether young or old. God wants to use us, and he's trying to mature us. He's trying to get us to that place where what people see is him and not us. I don't want people to see me. I want them to see him. I don't care if you know my name, but do you know my Jesus. That's who I want you to know. So Elisha sent him, So Naaman came with the horses and with his chariots and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go, wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth and went away and said, Behold, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, strike his hands over the place, and recover the leper. Are not Abena and Barpar rivers of Damascus better than all the rivers of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and he went away in a rage. He did not want to go through the process. That God had given him. In his mind. He had already determined. What it was going to be. He was going to go to the prophet. The prophet was going to pray over him. Call on his God. And he was going to be cleansed. And be made whole. But God had a process for him to go. Because God knew his heart. He was a mighty man. He was a man of valor. But there was something in him that needed to be humbled, to be able to be obedient to what God had said, no matter what it looked like. And, yeah, Damascus was a muddy river, but that's where God had chose. Sometimes God leads us into places we don't want to walk. I don't want to do that, Lord. Or I've done that for so long, I'm done doing that. I don't like this process. What I want, I want to be released, and I want the relief to come. But God knows better than me. He knows what's necessary. All of us have stuff in our lives that we're going through, that we've been going through, that we're going to go through. It's different for each one of us. But God has a process that he is developing us. He's leading us and guiding us so that we will hear his voice and know his voice. So that we will have a testimony that we can testify to others. Because there are others that are going through the same thing that need to hear you know what? You're not hopeless. You're not what they said. One day I was sitting where Sister Vicky is and the Lord said to me, your identity is in me. I needed to hear that because I was doing this woe is me little thing and God said, oh no, your identity is in me. It's not your job. It's not the clothes you wear. It's not the car you drive. It's not the house you live in. It's not whether you feel good Or you feel bad. It's not whether your children are saved or they're going to be saved. It's not what you see. Your identity is in me and me alone. You know, you hear people and they'll say, well, what's your job? (laughs) Like that's who you are. And you know what? I give kudos to those who do have higher paying jobs, who have gone to school for years. Doctors, you know, it takes commitment and training. And we need them. But that's not who they are. Our identity is in Christ. Rich or poor, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what I look like. I can't, this here that I don't recognize, that's not me. My identity is in Christ. So Naaman didn't really understand, but Elisha knew. If he would be obedient to the word of God, if he would just be able to hear, because Elisha did not want, and God did not want Naaman to go back and say, Elisha did it. He wanted to go back to Syria and proclaim, the Lord God of Israel did it. He's the one that healed me. So we're going to read verse 13 and 14. And his servants, that's Naaman's servants, came near and spake unto him and said, My father, If the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, wouldn't thou have done it? How much rather then, when he saith to thee, Wash and be clean? And he went down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. If we can just listen to the voice of God, If we will be willing to do it his way, however long that process is, we will become balanced because we release. See, God, we hold things like this. We take ownership of stuff like this. Sometimes we don't even realize that we're taking that ownership. The enemy will come in and he'll say something and we're like, oh, yeah, that's true. I'm grabbing on to that. But the Lord is saying, open up your hands. Release that to me. Let me work in you. I know it doesn't seem pleasant, but the outcome. What can I give in exchange for my soul? What am I willing to say? No, I'm not going to let go of that. Because I want to hang on to it. I want my way. Is is it worth it? No. No. No, I want to stand in one emotion of perfect love. That's his love. And if I'm going to do that, I have to give it all to him, no matter what it is. No matter what it is. Let's go to Acts 9, and we're going to talk about Paul. No new revelations. Familiar passages. But, you know, man was, Paul was a man just like us. He was human, he had feelings, he had faults, he had downfalls. But he had a love for God that never quit. A love for God that no matter what. Acts 9, verse 10, we're going to read 10 through 18. And Saul, yet bearing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest. He desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogue, that if he found any in this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shone round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, "'I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks.' And he, trembling and astonished, said, "'Lord, what wilt thou have me to do?' And the Lord said to him, "'Arise, go unto the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do.' And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, having heard a voice but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man." But they led him by the hand and brought him unto Damascus. And he was there three days out of sight, neither did eat or drink. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise, go into the street which is called Straight. Inquire in the house of justice for one called Saul. Of Tarsus, for behold, he prayed and hath seen a vision, a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him that he might receive a sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard many of this, I have heard met by many of this man how much evil he hath done, by the saint thy saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. You know, isn't it like us to rehearse to the Lord what's going on as if he doesn't know? You know, and it's okay, you know. just You know, I think of when uh, the king, um, I can't think of his name right now, but he led, the army was coming against him and he didn't know what to do. And he just, he had a letter from the opposing king, and he just stretched out before the Lord, and he said, you know what, Lord, everything in this letter is true. So Ananias is just rehearsing, God, you you do understand, you're asking me to go to this man who's persecuting the church, and now you want me to go and pray for him? You know, is this a setup? And then. But this is what the Lord said to him. You go thy way, for I have chosen this vessel to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way, entered into the house, putting his hands on him, and said, Brother Saul, the Lord, he called him brother, before he had received the Holy Ghost. Before he was baptized, he called him brother. Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, has sent me, that thou mightst receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. So, and immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. So Ananias lays his hand on him, his sight returns, he's filled with the Holy Ghost, he's baptized in Jesus' name, and I wasn't raised in this. And if you were raised in this, the Lord bless you. You were so blessed. I told my grandchildren, you are going to far exceed me, and that is okay, because you were raised in this, and you were dedicated to the Lord. And you're going to, that's what I want. I want my children and my grandchildren to far exceed where I have come. That is their purpose. That is God's plan. So the scales fell from their eyes. And I remember when I was baptized and I received the Holy Ghost that night. It was so wonderful. Like Brother Becker said, there was a weight that I was carrying that I didn't even know I had. I didn't even know what the Holy Ghost was. They tried to explain it to me. I, I didn't understand it. I just went for it, and joy unspeakable, full of glory. I will never go back. It was decided that day, no matter what, come what may, I'm going to follow him because I was looking for this all my life. But Ananias came with a message. Okay, Paul, you got the Holy Ghost? Good. Baptized in my name? Good. Now I'm going to tell you how many things you must suffer for my name's sake. You know what? The Lord didn't say that to me that day. It might be a good thing he didn't say that to me that day. And what did Paul have to suffer? We're not going to go read through all of it. But five times of the Jews, 40 stripes save one. Because if they gave more than 40, they might, they might be causing their death. They wanted to, to suffer, to bring them to that brink, but not to die. Not once, but five times. Five times was he beaten with rods. Once he was stoned, he was left for dead. But the people of God surrounded him and God raised him up. Three times he was shipwrecked, a night and a day in the deep, in journeys, in perils, weariness, painfulness, hunger, thirst, cold, meekness, hard things. Hard things. I don't know what you've been going through. I don't know the struggles you go through. But I do know, a God, that through this process, he's creating in you his workmanship. He's creating in you his image. You don't know what I go through. Day by day, there's relief. There's grace. There's the mountaintops. And then there's the valley. There's a place where he's sharpening me. That iron that sharpens iron. I see the sparks coming off. God, Whatever has to happen. Whatever you have to do in me. Because I have God to make heaven my home. Daily I pray, Lord, you crucify this flesh. Because I can't do it. You know what needs to be done in me. I will submit to your crucifixion. I will submit to that process. It might not be easy. It might be painful. I can't see always the light at the end, but I know you're working in me. Because he's got to work for all of us. Because you've got a ministry for every single one of us. Because you've got divine appointments that I need to be aware of. And I need to be able to hear your voice at that moment. I need to be able to testify of the goodness of God. If if there was nothing ever that happened in your life, what are you going to testify about? If if you never went through a process, what are you going to testify about? You know, Brother Terry went through heart surgery. I can identify with that because my husband went through heart surgery. If I had not, it was more painful, I think, for Brother Terry. But if, if I had not gone through that, if I had not been there to witness that, sometimes you don't understand what people are talking about. But you can identify. You can feel. So... So Paul had sufferings, and yet there was more to come. In Acts 21, verse 4, And finding disciples, we tarried there seven days, who said to Paul through the Spirit that he should not go up to Jerusalem. They were telling Paul, God was warning Paul, if he went to Jerusalem that he was going to be born. Found, and that he was going to be turned over to the Gentiles. And yet again, verses 8 through 13 of chapter 21, it says, And the next day that were they that were of Paul's company departed and came to Caesarea, and we entered into the house of Philip the evangelist, which was one of the seven, and abode with him. The same man had four daughters, virgins, which did prophesy. And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. And when he was come into us, he took Paul's girdle and bound his own hands and feet, and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost So shall the Jews of Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle, and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when we heard these things, both we and they of the place, Besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What mean ye to weep and to break mine heart? For I am ready not to be bound only, but to also die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And he was bound and he was in prison and he wrote many letters to the churches that we can now read. I am grateful. That Paul was obedient, even unto death. He went through good times and he went through bad. But he was willing to go through it all because he loved Jesus. Because his goal was heaven. Because his eyes were on the Lord. It's so easy to get our eyes off the Lord and to focus on me. But God is saying, if you will open up your hand. If you will give me something. Then I will give you this. It was very real to me, not so long ago, a couple weeks ago. There was a, a house that's only like a block and a half from where we are. We could see it out of our window, or we could see it was on fire. It had burned. It had burned, and um, the house is kind of hidden be- behind a few trees. All the other houses along the road are close to the road, but this house is a little behind these trees. So sometimes it's hard to see it when you go by, especially when the leaves are on the tree. But the house started on fire at about 10 o'clock at night. Everybody got out. Uh, It started on the deck, and it just, as soon as the people got out of the house, it just consumed the house. And it was, it's just so unbelievable to see a whole house consumed by fire. You can't imagine a a fire that hot, and the flames were above the treetops, and they're trying to put out this fire. And um, as I would drive by, I tried to make sure I would look to see what was left of that house and um, because it was hard to see. And all I could see of that house was just a little bit of twisted metal. It had just so quickly burned to the ground. And I would just contemplate on that. I don't know what that's like. It was only a couple years old, so you you. you you lose your house, but you lose everything in it, and just the it was just an infernal, and I don't know the Lord was just working that through my mind and one day the Lord just said, "Okay, Linda, you're hanging on to ashes. You got some of these ashes in your hand. Can you open that up? Can you give that to me because in isaiah sixty one he said, "I'll give you beauty." those ashes, I'm like, oh, God, I'm releasing those ashes to you. I'm I'm putting them at the foot of the cross. I'm not going to sift through them anymore. I'm not going to hold on to them. I'm just going to let you have them because I need that beauty. Are you broken? Is there something in your life that has just broken you? It was like a a slap in the face. It's been heavy on your heart. There are so many things that can break us. Unsaved loved ones. The loss of loved ones. Maybe it's a job. Any type of situation. Are you broken? Can you take that brokenness and can you give it to Jesus? Are you disappointed? Has somebody disappointed you? If you give him that brokenness, he'll bind you up. Do you have a broken heart? Has anybody ever broken your heart? Has any situation or circumstance broken your heart? I remember telling the Lord, Lord, my heart is broken. And do you know what he said to me? He said, I know. But no, I want you to understand that's how I feel about the loss. What he was saying, I want you to deflect that. Get your eyes off you. I know where you're at. I'll give you what you need. I want you to have a broken heart for the lost because those souls are going to hell. They need for us to speak and to tell them, to speak into their lives, that their hearts can be healed. Have you been captive by something? The enemy is so good at captivating our mind, getting our thoughts on stuff that can just agitate us and irritate us and anything to get our eyes off jesus but if you'll just give that captivity to him he'll give you liberty oh liberty to worship him thank you jesus for your liberty i am set free you will not hold me captive i am not a victim Those chains are falling off me. You will not possess my mind anymore with those lying spirits because my God has given me liberty. Are you bound? He'll open up those prison doors. Sometimes we can see what others can't. That's why God needs to do that work in me because he can see what's keeping me prisoner. He can see me. what's captivating me, and he can set me free. I need to be set free. Are you mourning? Mourning, that can take on so many forms. It's not just the loss of a loved one, which I've been there. Mourning can be a loss of a loved child or grandchild that aren't living for God. Mourning can be the loss of a job or a relationship. I remember when I came into the church, I came into a season of mourning and intercession. Oh, it took such a physical toll on my body. I felt like I was having heart attacks. There were so many pains, and I couldn't sleep in my chest. And finally, I went to the doctor, and after tests, they said no. No. It is stress. And by God's grace, by God's grace, one day he sent a missionary to our church, um, Brother and Sister Richie, and Sister Richie, Shirley Richie, or Sharon Richie, she was from our our church. Her parents were still going there, and her younger siblings were still going there. And Brother Richie just talked about how the enemy was attacking his wife's body and how the enemy was coming in and saying, oh, I'm going to kill her. But you know what? God, God alone, He's the one that gives us breath. He's the one that takes it away. And He was talking about God's grace. And the Lord said to me, Okay, you've been in the season of mourning, but from this day forth, you'll not mourn over that situation anymore because my grace is sufficient. Did the circumstances and situation change? No. But I remembered what my God had said. His grace was sufficient to carry me through. That I was no longer to mourn for that. But I could worship him and praise him and not carry that. You see, I was holding it like this. And I didn't like the process. And I didn't understand. And I was a new babe in the Lord. And why was I going through all this stuff? But it grew me. It made me dig deep. It helped me to grow and develop and to depend on God alone because people will let you down. Not even intentionally, but it happens. I was learning that I could give him what I had. I could let him take it and carry it. I could work through the process that he was working in me. Why? Because I wanted to be that tree of righteousness, planted of the Lord. That I would bring forth those leaves. That my roots would go deep. That I could lean on him and him alone because he has every answer. He knows every situation and every circumstance. He can give you joy in the morning. He can speak. He can take you up onto those high places. Do you have the spirit of heaviness? He wants to give you the garment of praise. Oh, praise will bring you into his presence. Worship will bring you into his presence. Isn't that what we're going to do in eternity when we see him? I want to see him face to face. That's my great desire. Jesus said, do you want peace? Oh, God. One of the greatest revelations was learning how to walk in peace. No matter the storms, no matter the highs or the lows, to be able to walk in peace. How do you walk in peace? Jesus said, I want your yoke, and I want you to take my yoke. Then you'll find rest for your souls. Because why? His yoke's easy. Sometimes we yoke us ourselves with so many things. We're carrying so much around. We're carrying stuff that we don't need to be carrying. But I've got to lay it at his feet, and then I can't take it up again. Because he's the refiner, he's processing us, assessing us, like he did gold. Malachi three three says, and he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. The character and nature of God, the process of refining silver. When a refining, when you're refining silver, one must hold the silver over the fire, and let it heat up. But it's got to be in the middle of that fire where the flames are the hottest. To burn away the impurities. The silversmith, he has to keep his eye on that silver the entire time it's in the fire. See, God keeps his eyes on us always. He knows every situation, every circumstance. He knows if you're in pain, whether it's physical pain. Or pain of the heart. He knows if you're sick or you're well. He knows the situations with your loved ones. He knows every breath that I take. He's watching. Even when we're in the hottest of the flames, he sees us. If the silver was left one moment too long in the flame, it would be damaged. He's not going to damage us. He doesn't want us to be damaged. He wants us to be refined. How do you know when it's fully refined? That's easy. When the silversmith can see his image in that silver. I want Jesus to see. I want others to see his image. I want the Lord to see his image. None of me, but all of him every heartache, every sorrow, whatever there is in your life, can you just stand? Whatever the Lord's spoken to you, maybe you've not had sorrows or heartache. Maybe you're in the season of joy. Just release whatever it is. Thank him for the good times. Thank him for the bad. If you would just pray right now and just speak to the Lord as he speaks to us. Father, we thank you for your mercy and we thank you for your grace. We thank you for every heartache and every mountaintop, O oh God. We trust you through it all because you're working in us. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Paul had so much heartache, so much pain, so much physically that I don't think I could do. But you know what's necessary for me. You know what needs to be cleaned out of me, what needs to be purified in me, O oh God. You see me, O Lord. You're the God that seeth me. Even though I felt like in the darkness I was alone, you were there. God, you send your angels to minister to us. And I thank you for every ministering angel that's in this place today. I thank you that I can trust you. I trust you with the process of my life, O God. I trust you that you are the lover of my soul. You care for me. You're the shepherd. You lead your sheep into the pasture's. The good pastures, the green pastures, you lead us beside the still waters, O God. It may be storming, O Lord. The waves might be high. They might seem to overflow me, but you won't let that happen, O Lord. You're leading me beside the still waters. I can hear your voice. I can know your voice, O God. I can be confident in you. My confidence is in you because I fear you, because I know who you are. You're the king of glory. You're the Lord strong and mighty. You're the Lord mighty in battle. There's none like you in all the earth, oh God. We give you the glory. We give you the honor. We give you the praise. I thank you, Lord. I thank you for every heartache. I thank you, God, for every trouble. I thank you, God, for every valley. And I thank you for every hilltop, God. I thank you, Lord, for the testimony. I thank you, O God, that I can identify with others, O God, and that you will lead me to those who need what I have, O God. I thank you, Lord, for your word. Let your word wash over us, O Lord. Let it wash over us, O Lord, like that anointing oil, O God. You will send healing. You will send deliverance. You are the great I Am. There is none like you in all the earth, O God. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that you're faithful, oh God. That even though it seems like I can't make it, I'm not going to be able to do it again. I can't do another day, God. You give us refreshing. You give us strength. You renew our strength, oh God. Every day. I thank you, O Lord. I thank you, Father, for the breath in our lungs. I thank you, God, for what you have done. I thank you for your process, Lord. I thank you for the process. I thank you for refining me, O God. I need you every day. Every day without you I can do nothing, O God. I thank you, O Lord, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, your will, your purpose, your plan, God, You know what's ahead. You know what I have need of. You've got plans, oh God. I want your will to be accomplished in my life. I want to lay my life down for you, Jesus. I don't want to have a will or a purpose. I want my purpose, my plan, my will, my life to be what you want it to be, oh God. And during the process, oh God, I'll release everything to you. I trust you. I put my trust in you, oh God. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord.
1: Praise God! Thank you, Sister Rudy. You know, uh, the uh, well, we talk about uh, the Lord setting us through hard places, difficult times, uh, for the purpose of uh, the process, purifying and strengthening. Uh, I suppose it's possible that we can we can start maybe cringing a little bit, maybe maybe getting a little bit horrified or scared that. Well, is that what's in store for me if I decide to live for God? Uh, well, here's the thing. Uh, they're coming whether you live for God or not. Uh, you're going to have difficult times in your lives no matter what. I mean, th- that's, that's the world we live in, folks. Uh, people are going to disappoint you. They're going to let you down. You're going to lose loved ones. Uh, things are going to happen at work. I mean, financial crises are going to come from time to time. That's it, it just, just the world we're in. As life, uh, the only difference is when you're living for God. Is I got someone walking through it with me. As I look back through my life, you know I had difficult times when I was in the world. Uh, I had, I've had difficult times in my time serving Jesus Christ. And when I look at the situations objectively, the times that I've had, the hard times I've had in church, they appear on paper to be much greater on paper they look a lot more difficult but they weren't more difficult and the reason for that is that jesus was helping me through those things they should have been more difficult they would have been without god but in a relative sense i mean jesus makes everything so good and at the end of it at the end of it there's a blessing waiting I'm closer to God. I'm more like Him. I'm I'm more able to be used by Him. I'm, I'm more fit to serve. And, I mean, if it's going to happen anyway, I want to do it with Jesus. I want to walk through it with Him. Because then, the situation works out for my good. See, out there, out there the situation may destroy me. I have no idea. But when I serve the Lord, whatever situation he places me in, that works out for my good. That works out for my very best. Amen. And serving the Lord is such a blessing. It's such a it's 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 the best life possible. It's the best life possible. Amen. He loves you so very much. He desires the very best for your life. He desires to use you mightily. I know it doesn't always seem like it, doesn't always feel like it, but that's still truth, folks. What's that guy's name? Truth. To, facts don't care about your feelings. Uh, ben Shapiro. There you go. Yeah, he's famous for saying that. Facts don't care about your feelings. I mean, it's true. <laughs> You can feel about it however you want, but it's still true. Uh, The Word of God is still true. No matter how I'm feeling at the moment, no matter if I'm feeling scared or anxious or or discouraged or whatever it might be, uh, the truth is that Jesus fights for me. Jesus has purchased deliverance for me. I don't have to be bound by any of these things. I have victory over all of them, and I can live a victorious life every single day of my life in Him. Praise God. What an awesome thing that is. Amen. Let's go to Him in prayer in closing. Lord Jesus, You're an awesome God. We heap glory and honor unto You. I thank You, Lord Jesus, for every one of these processes that have been enacted in my life because I know the end result of every single one of them. The next time a process ensues, help me to remember that these are for my perfection. These are for my good that I might be perfected, that I might be refined, purged, purified, made to look like You. That is our desire, Lord Jesus, that we be Christ-like, that we reflect Your image in this fearful fallen place. Help us, Lord Jesus, to serve You, to give You glory in all that we do, say and think. Help us, Lord Jesus, as we go our separate ways, protect us. Help us to, to continue to serve and to give You glory. Bring us back at the day appointed. All these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.